Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And this week we are returning to the world of Pan M. Uh, it has been 11 years since the original Hunger Games film debuted in 2012, which kicked off a franchise, four movies over three books. Uh, borrowing from the Harry Potter model, they split the final book into two installments. And uh, it's worth questioning why that, yep. why that happened. Um, you know, the original franchise, uh, for me, ended up being a little bit of a law of diminishing returns by the end. Uh, we will get to our original Hunger Games franchise rankings later, but it has been eight years uh, since we've seen any Hunger Games movie, the last one dropping uh, Mockingjay Part 2 in 2015. And now we get this uh, prequel that takes us first briefly back to before the or during the the war and then mostly to in and around and after the 10th annual hunger games following a young Coriolanus snow who we know later becomes donald sutherland mm -hmm. these are the jokes people these are the jokes yeah. uh and is the primary i guess antagonist villain in the hunger games movies here i guess he's supposed to be the hero uh he ends up, you know, he's trying to compete for his place in society and to do that uh, has to serve as mentor for a tribute. He gets Lucy Gray Baird, a plucky girl from District 12. Apparently District 12 is the only district that ever produces anyone of pluck. You would have thought for this prequel, they might have tried to just <laughs> throw another district a bone, just like, you know, the Harry Potter prequel, you know, we get a guy from Hufflepuff so that we can give another house, you know, yeah. a little bit of a, no, no, they're only, the only interesting people ever come from District 12, apparently, the mining district. Uh, so he tries to guide her through the games, and <clears throat> if you've seen the trailer, Sparks Fly, can she stop him from turning to the dark side? Eric? No. And she... And hence uh, what we will get to uh, one of the, the struggles for me anytime you have these kind of prequels. I think this was the same thing that befalls Star Wars a little bit when they want you to invest in this plucky young Anakin Skywalker who you just know is going to have a bright future as the Dark Overlord. Yeah. Um, spend the... A good deal of time trying to get you to invest in in Snow and his potential for good, uh, all the while knowing that's not likely to happen. But still, I was not excited about this movie going in. I ended up pleasantly surprised. Eric, how did you feel about it? I'm shocked. Uh, really, really surprised. Um the obvious well snow isn't quite as like dubious of a character as darth vader who had like a whole arc in and of himself in the original movies so it's like you've already told a massive story of substance centered around that character so like what are we doing there is sort of a mystery to snow there's sort of uh like what he works the way that he works and of course the ending which we'll get to of mocking jay speaks a lot to his character in a way that I think it's fair to ask, like, who is this person and how and why was he in this position? And I think that the writer of the book series, Suzanne um, Collins, Suzanne Collins 
pulled off something that Hollywood has been trying to pull off. At least Sony has been trying to pull off for years. Uh, we just saw a trailer for Madam Web. That is going to be the sixth installment. Uh, or can't remember if it's sixth or fifth because of the um, the one that got canceled with the the. I don't remember. Anyways, um, villains. V villain movies people trying to show villain origin stories and set them up venom uh who's already an anti-hero in the comics it's not exactly what they're trying to do but then morbius is straight up one and there's this idea people have been doing this for a while of trying to tell like movies centered around like darker characters and not necessarily be the, your traditional hero story and i they the inspiration for it's Lady Grey, right? Lucy Grey Bear. Lucy Grey Bear. Okay. She is. She's named I after guess they, a yeah, story. A, a story from um, Longfellow, right, or a poem? Yes. And it's a story that is represented fantastic in the ending of this movie, and that is the something. I, I, I don't know whether I want to share or spoil this or not. It's kind of teased in the trailers that you can tell at a certain point Snow has his hair shaved off. But yeah, this is this is a whole franchise that has loftier and more interesting ideas that is trying to sell itself with like action and romance and a love triangle and stuff that's not really this the main core of the story. And the same thing happened again here. This is not this is this is the story of how someone becomes president snow. This isn't the story of the hunger games, but the 10th one and will she survive and will they fall in love? Like it is those things, but the Donald Sutherland spoke to the character of president snow as a character who wants control. And when he can't control something, he kills it. Or if he doesn't understand something, he wants to control it. If he can't control it, he kills it. And you, I think they did an amazing job realistically taking someone born into wartime and crafting a human being that could become that person. And they did that with this sort of mythical sort of story laid into the character. Um, Greybird. Um, but yeah, so I was I was surprised. Uh, I the runtime didn't bother me because the story is is more full than I thought it was going to be. Um, the production design was just like clean and polished, and everything looked great. Uh, uh, I keep wanting to call her Amanda Waller because of Suicide Squad. Viola Davis. Uh, Viola Davis. Uh, she, she was like, I was rooting for her at first. Cause I wanted to go into this movie. So spiteful, but, and so I was just like, ah, oh, she's like her role. She's relishing her role on screen. She's just like a maniac. And, uh, I, I was a hundred percent there for it. Um, yeah, it just, it built, it validated the story of how does someone become president snow and that is something I didn't think they could honestly pull off. I, I predicted 
an action blockbuster with a tragic ending of like a girl who died and that's how he became cold hearted. And that's how he, you know, like it was going to be some, Oh, there was an even eviler guy in charge of the hunger games before, and they caused his love to die. And so like he took over out of spider, some, something we've seen before. And I saw something I didn't quite see before. So that's a really hard thumb up. It didn't blow me away. It wasn't the most amazing thing ever, but those are pretty hard thumbs up. Yeah, you know, I, I'm like you. I was a little skeptical um, going in. I really, I, I'm not was not a book reader, um, so I'll lay that that out there. I didn't read the books. I really loved the first film, um, and not. It's weird to to say that because you're ultimately talking about a movie that's about a tournament where children are forced into mortal combat and many of them die. That wasn't that wasn't totally well that it was the there's a lot of philosophical discussion, particularly in the first book, about the nature of a society that would allow something like the Hunger Games and what the Hunger Games are and what they say about society. And I thought it really spoke to some of the weird voyeuristic things we have in our own actual entertainment, the reality television where predominantly you, you know, we have these competition shows and yeah, it's about people, you know, finding talent, but what are the most, like if you think about when American Idol was really humming, the most popular episode was the train wreck episode where they'd cut together all the worst auditions um, where you're essentially making fun of people we've we've heard lots of stories about people who are in these reality competitions to you know with the savage nature of social media and things like that the with this movie the original hunger games came out at a time when the predominant form of horror films was a genre called torture porn where essentially we were <clears throat> you know, a traditional horror movie didn't go far enough and you really just needed to see these grisly, you know, maimings, tearing people apart that I found really troubling. Yeah. And I thought The Hunger Games said something about a society and a trajectory of society that I found very compelling. I, You know, I liked Jennifer Lawrence in it i liked her character and the overall arc um the rest of the movies were okay for me i think you know i i liked a couple of them but i wasn't as taken with how it all kind of unfolded and ended you know i might have been fine if we had only had one and so that was kind of what i was thinking about going into this like what do i need to see and what i was I was pleasantly surprised by some of the same things that you mentioned with the inciting incident for having snow, because there isn't a question about where snow ends up. We already know. And that's the prequel problem in general. You know, it's a problem when you're doing the star Wars prequels, you're it's a problem when you're doing others. Sometimes it's a problem when you're revisiting franchises. I almost liken how I feel about this movie to 
when they made the fourth matrix movie, that was another one where I was like, I don't need to go back to this in any way, shape or form. But I actually ended up enjoying the fourth matrix movie, probably more than some of the sequels that we had in the original run. Well, that's kind of how I feel about the ballad of songbird and snakes. It goes back to, it spends a lot of time with the kind of philosophical question of, a society probably more so and in even more strident ways than the original hunger games movie because you're actually talking about people from the capital that was the sort of the initial position you have for sejanus plinth um you know what he's fighting against and even dean caster highbottom you know the way he's completely destroyed as a person for being associated with these games and when you get to the end and realize why that he made it up sort of as a joke and then his friend turned it in to get credit and they put it in place and suddenly he becomes famous for creating this tournament where they're massacring children every year. Mm -hmm. There was there was a lot that interested me about yeah. that. Um, and they really did make kind of a compelling um, case. You know where Snow ends up. But for a while, you're rooting for him. Uh, I particularly liked and was compelled by a lot of the sequences in and through the games itself. You know, when he gets sent into the arena, obviously the stakes of, oh, he got sent into the arena. He might die. We know there's no chance he's going to die. But yep. will he have an experience that shapes him? Yeah. And how he, you know, str struggles to get her. You didn't know for sure that Lucy Gray Barrett wouldn't die. So right. there were some good stakes there. And kind of the the way they feel totally broken and sick when the when the poor girl drinks the water. Oh, and and gosh. you're just you're, they that almost moment. found like a, their rue moment in that. Yeah. Um that's just kind of heartbreaking in its own way. I liked the musical numbers. I, you know, Rachel Zegler, we obviously know, is a fairly decent singer, having done uh, West Side Story. Uh, and, you know, her songs were interesting. For me, I, I guess the part that drug for me the most was the, the final chapter in District 12. I didn't think all of I, that worked. Um I just didn't know where it was going i feel like on a rewatch it would go smoother because Maybe. it's sort of it's it's unknown unstructured territory but his it was hard to kind of go back and forth with his conflict because fairly early on he makes that recording that he clearly sent to viola davis like selling his friend out and the you know whole back and forth about where he feels conflicted or that he might actually be thinking about leaving. And at what point did Lucy understand what he had done and, and set him up? I, I had to look this up. Okay. It's so, okay. There's a huge thing. I was going to get into this more when we rank the thing. So I'll just tease here. There's this huge thing about the way these characters are written from a first person perspective in the books and the way movies can't do that. And so to break down what happens there, because I needed this explained to me, but it clicked really well when I understood it, is that she sees that Snow has killed uh, two people. And that second one, he tries to reassure her in that moment, I'm doing this for everyone's protection. 
When she questions a third death and he doesn't tell her the truth, she goes back to questioning whether that second one and even the first one are really for protection or is that just some of who he is? And the idea is that there's this, it's not really well represented in the movie, I think, but there's this sort of domino effect set up. And when one falls, everything about her need to be safe and to just travel like away. And like, it, it, it just, it's, they have been shaped by the experience of who they are. That's the greatest thing about this franchise is that the Hunger Games have consequence. You have horrible things that happen. It might not be the bloodiest thing ever. It's PG-13. But you feel those consequences and they shape and affect the characters and they change because of what they've done and what they've been through. And so it kind of made more sense to me having it explained to me. But it was very unclear to me that she's with him and along for the ride for so much. And then it's like this seed of doubt comes out and she seems to flip very quickly. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm like you. I gave it a thumbs up. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. There were a lot of things, like I said, about the the beginning that I found quite interesting and compelling. You just know where you're going to end up. And then I thought some of the third act was a little protracted for knowing where we were ultimately going to end up and and going through but definitely an interesting return um you know i don't are there are not more prequel books correct i think there was just the one so because we need to fill in more time and and more more child murders although i did see jennifer lawrence said she would do the character again i could see more easily going something beyond where the where mockingjay ended than going back to doing any more prequel because it's not like fundamentally anything about them doing the hunger games will have changed there is with with philip seymour hoffman's passing they had to do this in a different way uh with um woody harrelson delivering this speech that speaks about human nature and how humans are fallible. And there's always this sort of graceful peace period, but there's always going to be something and humans are destructive in nature in some ways. And I think you're right. I think there is something to a future of like, what does the next generation do when their parents are trying to create brand new solutions for how to deal with problems after having grown up in that world? I think it's an inch. I, I would trust this writer to find a very thoughtful way to explore that. Yeah. Well, we looked at uh, the, the new film. Now it's time to go back and uh, consider the originals. As I mentioned, the first one came out in 2012. We got one a year for four years there. Uh, Eric, I will let you lead off. What is your ranking of the original? franchise and then uh, i know you'll probably want time to think about it but where would you end up sticking this new one? Oh, i could plug it in uh so starting at the bottom we have mocking jay part two it is very clear when they decided to follow the harry potter formula that this was just a, a result of someone following a trend the first movie took the bulk of the narrative and the second movie took 
the action set pieces that aren't as fleshed out in the book and drug that out for over two hours. It just at the bottom. Then uh, everything above that, I really enjoy. So it has to be said that there's a gap here. Um, it is the original Hunger Games for me. It's three. And that, I think, is a consequence of uh, when I saw the movie, it wasn't my first exposure to the story. I read the books. And I, the way I feel about the books is very much the way you feel about the movies uh, from what you're saying. is it's They made a, an amazing, thoughtful book, and then someone said, write sequels. And they kind of go <laughs> the way they go. But um, So the, the first Hunger Games movie, it's just like, as it stands, like with filmmaking, with the tight shots and the handheld cameras and some of the ideas and having bias in my head from like what some of the ideas are on the page and versus how they come across and also not being able to be in Katniss's head. There are some things with the romance and the way that she plays the game that are different. So it's, it's the hunger games. Then uh, mocking Jay part one emotional. Great. Then uh, songbirds and snakes is my number two. And then Catching Fire, where I think they just, they, the first one was lower budget. They had a bigger budget. They swung in. Finnick is one of my favorite characters. Joanne is another one of my favorite characters. Uh, like everything, again, it just feels like consequence, but polished and with like money behind it. And I just, I had a blast with that movie. So Catching Fire is my number one. So I think the original film is the only one directed by Gary Ross and the rest, including <clears throat> Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes has all been uh, Francis Lawrence. So it might explain some of the different approaches with the way things were shot as well. Just a different uh, kind of visual. Um, for me, I, I'm very much like you. Bottom would be Mocking Jay Part 2. I just thought it was a very underwhelming conclusion. Um, and also by then, I don't know that I needed four films, like I mentioned, <laughs> um, for this. Number three and two are real close for me. For you know, three, I have uh, Catching Fire, um, which I liked it okay, but there were part of me that felt like we were just going taking the same people and putting them back in the games. Um, which was something of a bummer, you know, but it's where the, the revolution starts. I liked some of the shots and set pieces in Mockingjay Part 1 a little bit better, um, which is why I have it a little bit higher. But then for me, I the first one was really, it, uh, when I did my countdown last year with my top 50 favorite films of all time, it's in there. Oh, cool. um, because it was my number one, I'm pretty sure, the year that it came out. There was a lot about that idea that I liked, some of their interactions um, that I found really uh, moving. I wasn't thinking about songbirds and snakes. I'm probably a little bit like you. I, I almost feel like I would slot it in now in the number two spot. Um, you know, I probably, I feel like I need to go back and rewatch some of the original ones again. Um, because sometimes I worry about recency bias and how that would uh, how that would impact uh, my feelings about them. The way I saw these movies is I watched one when it came out and a couple of times after. 
two when it came out and then never again. Songbirds and snakes, then Mockingjay Part One and Two. Oh, you had never seen Mockingjay. I had never watched Mock. I just read the book, and I knew where the book was going with everything. So, like, I, I just ah, and you know, honestly, I, I think the everything makes more sense in the movie. The second and third and fourth movies, I think, better deliver on the ideas that are in the books. Uh, but there's an, a, a very interesting parallel between the first story and Songbirds and Snakes, where the main character is someone who, in their head, is a survivor who is tweaked by the world that's around them. And they are they're playing a game more often than the movie tells you. Like, like if I, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I read the book. The big moment where they decide to eat berries at the end of Hunger Games, I don't think that Katniss even, like, it, it, it's literally just on, I don't want there to be a winner. It's a, it's a strategic thing. There is a no emotional attachment to PETA. And it's it's very bizarre. Like they have partnered and stuff like that, but and you can tell, and this is kind of again a little better served by the movie that they do have a relationship. She's just not really aware of it. She is very calculated, and it's the it's kind of the in the love triangle with part Snow. of the original one is probably my least favorite aspect of the whole thing. It's like who will she end up with? Who gives? It is that was created because of Twilight. That is that is barely present in those books i that was that was eye rolling to me anytime it was brought up well the love triangle of... in twilight's not very compelling either no, but up it with? sold merch that's that's the thing i think they were trying to do um but yeah so snow is like the inverse of her she's he he is calculated what where katniss is not falling in love and having to pretend to fall in love to survive he is a is a is snow, but he is falling in love and cannot let that be known in order to play everything off. And for both of those being adapted into film, where you but don't get also like an inner monologue, distrustful yeah. that she's manipulating him. Yeah, but and like that's that again, moment at the bar, like, is this even real? Yeah, am I putting myself on the line? Yeah, that's well, like one of those things with PETA. They did a much better job, I think, in the movie. Uh, in the book, he's mind, he's, his mind is messed with. But it is, in the movie, I think, fed much better by a truth that the amount of game playing that Katniss had done was exposed to him, and he realized he'd been manipulated, and that was their way into messing with his mind. And that was delivered way better in the movie than it felt to me reading the book. But then again, when I'm reading a book, it's up to my brain <laughs> to interpret things. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah. That's it's just those... I think the first Hunger Games and this movie pair really well together. Yeah. Well, and that's probably what I... You know, when I think of the original Hunger Games, what I'm most fascinated by is that... <clears throat> 
philosophical discussion, which you kind of get away from the further in the films you go to, not that they're saying it's now okay or it's not bad, but then it becomes this kind of freedom fighting Revolution. Love, tri love triangle, you know, who, who will she choose? And I'm like, how do I even express how much I don't care? Which is, you know, ironic. Um, and that's kind of what I felt in this, in this prequel. An interesting film. We'll see how how it does. Not a lot of things are doing very well at the box office. Uh, you know, we both enjoyed the Marvels, and it had, I think, they said the lowest box office of any MCU film so far. Um, I think early tracking numbers for uh, the Hunger Games prequel weren't that great either. It's been a weird year. Um, for movies other than kind of the Barbenheimer weekend or shocking things like Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah. We just haven't seen a lot of things hit and and resonate with mass audiences. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. might put them off doing more also. Studios are going to have to be rethinking what actually sells a movie in the next couple of years. I think people are are getting tired of like just just because of the brand like i don't think they can ride that well on it I'm, i just started watching loki and i'm in love but i'll talk about that some other way some other time but yeah i marvel is a very interesting one because that is such started a watching the first season or the second season the second season the hey, you haven't finished it yet no um Oh, maybe the, if you finish it by the end of next <laughs> week, we can start about talking about a the story of a tyrant and then hopefully the story of a tyrant who got redeemed. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. Um, yeah. I, I'm having this whole vibe this week of what year is it? We got Scott Pilgrim coming out in a new Hunger Games movie. It's like... It's and literally, funny. they're just doing the Scott Pilgrim story again as an animated I'm not going to spoil anything, but you're supposed to think that. Oh, I only watched two, and that was more than enough for me. I, oh, you watched two episodes? Yeah. Oh, okay. The The original film <coughs> was, I mean, I think it's fine, but I'm not one of the people that you're not. You're not one of us. for it for over a decade, so <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, good. Now I get to see a film I thought was okay as a cartoon. <laughs> okay so um but they we're getting almost to the end of where and it's going to be interesting with tv because we're kind of in this last push for the end of 2023 of of big series because of the strikes and everything it's probably going to be a while into 24 before we have a ton of big content i just saw uh, because i been watching football today i know you're surprised and forced to watch commercials cbs did their uh fall or their premiere week is going to be after the super bowl so network shows <laughs> looks like are tracking to return at the end of february because super bowl is like uh Is in late February now, so that'll be a little bit later. Sorry, sound popped no up. No problem. I was trying to get rid of. Um, but so we have the story of a fictional uh, dictator's rise uh, to power this week. We'll have the story of a historical dictator's uh, rise to power. 
uh, for next week as Apple unveils its second large theatrical release of the year in Ridley Scott's Napoleon, uh, which has actually, I thought ironically, the exact same running time as Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. They're both 158 really? minutes. Interesting. Yeah. That was tolerable. Maybe I'm just getting used to like three hours, and so now now this is starting to feel manageable. I mean, it's been a year of uh, yeah. We talked about it. both both uh, those movies are shorter than the last Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. You know, Oppenheimer was really long. When you hit that, that's why uh, the Marvels was like a crisp hour and forty Ooh, minutes. It's like a blink. Yeah. yeah. You blink and you're over. Uh, so we will take a look at Napoleon next week and see. Uh, if Joaquin Phoenix has some some solid Oscar chances, uh, should be an interesting. You know, nothing says family and Thanksgiving like a little tiny short French dictator killing a whole bunch of people as he tries to become the next Alexander the Great. And we'll see if I can try to regrow any care for Ridley Scott. Oh, a lot on the line here. <laughs> A lot. I'm like, no, you know, I'm excited about what I've heard. I'm yeah. watching the Napoleon trailer makes me think that uh, Ridley Scott rewatched Gladiator and thought, you know, I, I wish I would have spent more time with the Emperor. And I wish we would have put some. Uh, we didn't need um, the Maximus, dude. Ozzy Osbourne in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because that's what they have now. If it actually shows up in the movie, that would be a different. No, thing. and it's, I've it's, heard it's I've heard a lot that of stuff that is... together in the sizzle reel. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, well, what I've heard, I'm excited about. I'm not going to go into it like prejudging it and whatnot. I just everyone made a big deal about the last duel and so many other Ridley Scott projects. And I just like I, I love Alien and like there have been occasional hits, but overall, I've just I'm, he he's an amazingly talented oh, guy goodness. that just does nothing for me. <laughs> okay, so Jared's we'll like accent in the House of Gucci didn't just. Bring it. <laughs> it didn't thrill me. No, it's probably not the worst uh, accent it's no he's done in the character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Morbius. All right. Well, that'll do it for uh, this week. Uh, until next week, we'll see you at the movies.